0: So we as a culture, as a whole, are really focused on identity. Now that's not wrong, but the problem is this. We are trying to fix our broken dignity by crafting an identity.
1: Welcome to the Live Lead Last podcast, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode. I'm James Duvall, and I'm here with Lisa, my incredibly caring wife and wonderful co-host.
2: Hey friends, it's good to be with you again this week. We hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving and we're excited to be back with you again this week. Every week we are seeing the Live, Lead, Last community grow and we know that's a result of you spreading the word. Today's show has so much good stuff in it, so spread the love and share it with your friends and family.
1: Yeah, today we have a new friend, Jesse Eubanks with us. Jesse Eubanks is the founder and executive director of Love Thy Neighborhood, urban missions agency providing young adults ages 18 to 30 with social justice internships and Christian community. He is also the host of the Love Thy Neighborhood podcast, a documentary storytelling program, and the Enneacast, a podcast exploring the Enneagram through a gospel lens. He lives with his wife and two kids in Louisville, Kentucky.
2: James, you know, I spent a lot of time learning and understanding the Enneagram tool, but Jesse really inspires me to continue to learn and lean into self discovery. You know, when you have those moments, you think you know something yeah. and then you meet someone who knows so much more than you do yeah. about something. It's so inspiring. That's Jesse. He has such a powerful way of connecting the Enneagram as a tool with the gospel of Jesus. You will want to listen all the way through to the end and hear how Jesse shares how Jesus Christ empathizes with each Enneagram type. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. But before we jump in, I do want to say thank you to Jesse for his tremendous generosity. The first time we recorded our conversation, the audio file was corrupt.
2: I didn't have anything to do with that.
1: Surprisingly. But he was gracious and came back for a second round of questioning, and we captured some real gold and some cats doing some bad things in the background. Crazy! So thank you, Jesse. This episode is great, so let's go. Jesse, it's great to have you on the podcast, and we really appreciate you spending some time with us. To kick off the conversation, could you share a bit about your story and a little background on how you ended up leading the organization Love Thy Neighborhood? And also, can you tell us a little bit about Love Thy Neighborhood and what it's all about.
0: Yeah, as I get older, it's getting harder to tell my story in a short way. There's just so many details at this point. But I was raised in in a really vibrant Christian community, became a believer at a young age. It was an evangelical community. It was also a very white community. And as I got to my later years of high school, as a senior, I ended up taking African American history and a course on the Holocaust. So in my African American history class, I was the only white guy in my Holocaust class. A lot of my fellow students were Jewish. We had survivors come in those two experiences really started to open me up to maybe I need to go see it the broader world. So I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, moved to California, did urban ministry there, lived in a, the neighborhood where the Black Panther Party formed, was part of a predominantly black church there, came back to Louisville, then ended up moving to Philadelphia, lived in a predominantly black neighborhood in Philadelphia, moved back to Louisville again after I met my wife. And so all of these experiences of growing up in this particular culture and context, but then going out and seeing Christians from other cultures. Seeing God at work in all these other ways that were different than my upbringing really ended up influencing me in such a way that I ended up going to a homeless shelter in Louisville and pitching them an idea for an internship program. I said, hey, I had this great experience of moving to California, doing an internship. It was really influential in my faith. What if we provide that to other people? So that was actually 15 years ago now. And so we were at the shelter for nine years. And then 2014, we launched Love That Neighborhood independently. So we have about 65 young adults that come and serve with us on an annual basis. Us from all over the world.
2: Wow. That does sound like a lot of work though. 15 years of laboring and plowing the ground for that.
0: Yeah. And you learn a little bit each year. And the thing is, as we know with a young adulthood, the issues are always changing. And so what's really a pressing need for young adults today, that's not what it was five years ago. So yeah. you always kind of have to stay on top of
1: things. That's true. So what do you do at Love Thy Neighborhood?
0: Yeah, so we basically say if the Peace Corps had Bibles, like that's basically us. So what we do is we partner up with understaffed ministries from around the city and we send them full-time reinforcements. So these young adults come in, they serve with them 25 hours a week at no cost. They stay with that nonprofit the whole time. So they become very good at what they do. And then they do another 15 hours devoted to the life of their neighborhood. And then finally, the last 15 hours is personal growth and development. So what we're really trying to do is this. There's the problem of these wonderful ministries being understaffed. And then there's also the problem that young adults are graduating from college or getting into young adulthood, and they really just are not trained and equipped to be able to really step into life yet. That's so so what we've done is we've taken these two problems and brought them together as a solution for one another.
2: That's fantastic. Okay, Jesse, you and I have something in common. We're both Enneagram coaches. I'm so interested to hear about your journey of learning about the Enneagram and how you're using it as a developmental tool.
0: When I was on staff at the shelter, we're spending our days sharing the gospel with people that are in really painful, situations in life. So we're telling about the goodness of God and the goodness of the gospel and presenting it as such a wonderful thing. But behind the scenes, the staff did not like each other. That's just the honest truth. So all that to say is that some outside guys came in and started doing some relationship coaching for us. And they brought along this tool called the Enneagram. And it was like somebody had crawled inside my soul and shown (laughs) it to me. I went home absolutely terrified of what I had just discovered. (laughs) So that was my first introduction. And then uh, several years later, my wife and I just went through a difficult season of marriage. It seems like marriages around year eight go through something hard, and that was true for us. We started going to counseling and and were reintroduced to the Enneagram again at a more personal level. And out of that, my wife and I both ended up getting certified as coaches because it had just made such a huge difference for both of us.
2: Can you share how you use Enneagram to develop young adults as well as your staff at Love Thy Neighborhood?
0: Yeah. So you know, if you remember back to that weird season of life when you were stepping out into your own for the first time. There's so much that is exciting about it, but there's so much that feels totally unknown. Like uh, you don't know who you are. You don't know exactly what you want. You don't really even know how to do relationships. I mean, there's just so much that you're just figuring out the young adults that go through our year-long program actually go through three separate Enneagram workshops. It's the same workshop each time because the first time that they hear, they're mostly embarrassed because of what it's revealing. The second time, they still have some embarrassment, but they start to see the good stuff. And then the third time, they are able to hold both things. Both these things are true about me, this dark stuff as well as this beautiful stuff. So what we find is it gives young adults a way to understand themselves at a much faster rate than their peers. And it also gives them language to talk with other people, you know, conflict resolution, huge, huge deal when you're in your young adult years. In terms of my staff, I have a staff of seven, lots of different personalities. I've got some heart triads, some head triads, some gut triad, like just so many different personalities on my team. The Enneagram allows me to respond to each of them from their starting point. I don't have to expect them to see it like I do, to respond like I do. We do trainings about here's what your strengths and weaknesses are as a leader. So when you're being led, so if you're under somebody else's authority, it's allowed us to really build a community with one another that's hopefully more than just superficial because we really are trying to get to know each other for the true us, you know, who we really actually are and support each other.
1: That's really good. I find that it's so helpful as a leader too. Before I understood a little bit about the Enneagram, I realized that I was trying to make team members act like me instead of who their core self was. And so yeah, one of my team members is a nine and I'm an eight. And so I was telling her, you just got to be more assertive and more direct. She wasn't really capable of doing that at her core motive. So it's good to be aware of yourself and also of your team members. You recently released a workbook called Mapping Your Enneagrams Story. Can you talk to us about that workbook and why knowing your own life story is important to truly understand your Enneagram type?
0: Yeah. So, you know, the Enneagram is, it's really having its cultural moment right now. It's really being put to use. And there's there's good stuff that comes with that because people are pushing sort of the frontier of work in the Enneagram. So there's really cool stuff happening. But there's also some really detrimental stuff happening where folks are picking it up and they only accept it at a diagnostic level. So it's, oh, this is who I am. That's who I am. Move on to the next thing. The problem with that is that who I am comes from somewhere. You know, I didn't just wake up one day as who I am. This was built over a lifetime. And so when somebody comes to know their Enneagram, that's really only half of the equation. So if you know your Enneagram type, awesome, but that's really only half the picture. The other half of the picture is, what is the story that you have lived? The circumstances you have lived through, the things that you want, the things that you hope to have had that you didn't, the obstacles that you fought through to overcome, all of these things shaped you and made you into the person that you are. And so this workbook is designed to help people map the top 20 life experiences before they turn 25, because your personality by and large settles in by then. It's designed to help them identify the greatest highs, greatest lows, and the emotions associated with all of those memories so that they can overlay that with their Enneagram. And when you overlay your life story and your Enneagram, you can write me a thank you letter later because I just saved you six months of counseling.
2: (laughs) I wished I would have known you maybe about 12 years ago and you would have known all this information. You could have saved us a lot of money, James and I. Yeah. That's
0: true. That's true. (laughs) I'm just here to save people money. That's all it is, guys. (laughs) You
2: are awesome. Okay. So, personal dignity is a key theme in your ministry. Can you explain what you see in the impact of personal dignity on an individual's identity?
0: So, we live in a culture that's really focused on identity. Who am I? We're really big into self declaration. You really even see that turn if you think about the themes of Disney movies throughout the 20s. It was all about romance. And the themes of the 21st century Disney movies are about who am I and about claiming an identity. So we as a culture, as a whole, are really focused on identity. Now that's not wrong, but the problem is this. We are trying to fix our broken dignity by crafting an identity. And the truth is this, is that our identity is something that has to be bestowed upon us. It has to come from something that's bigger than us, greater than us. And only God has the authority to bestow that dignity on us. To say you have permanent, unchangeable value and you are beloved. So the Lord bestows dignity on us. He says, you are made in my image and you are beloved. And out of that, an identity can then come forward. But when we attempt to fix our dignity with an identity, that's where persona comes from. That's where faking it comes from. That's where pretending to be somebody we're not. That's where we start to use our gifts to abuse people just to achieve goals. And it's all upstream and it's because we have a broken dignity. So we have to allow God to bestow the right dignity on us.
2: Wow. You know, I have a feeling that someone's going to want to rewind that and listen to yeah, that so, good. so much in there. So, Rich, I'm interested in the relationship between what we believe is most true about ourselves and how we express ourselves. And some learnings in and around the Enneagram that affect that relationship between the two of those.
0: There's so many different ways that we approach like backloading our identity. But I will say this, I think that within the church and within Christian culture, for a variety of different reasons, what we often absorb is the notion that my deepest identity is that I'm a sinner. My deepest identity, the truest thing about me is that I am flawed, that I'm broken, that I'm forsaken, that I rebel against God. Now, is it true that I am a sinner? It is absolutely true. Follow me around for twenty-four-seven, and I would be mortified. But my deepest identity is not as a sinner. My deepest identity is that I'm beloved. And your deepest identity is not that you are a sinner. And that whatever you believe your deepest identity is, that's what you're going to live out of. So if you think your deepest identity is that you're a sinner, you're going to live out of guilt. But if you believe that your deepest identity is that you're loved, well, we got a whole new life ahead of us. That's
1: so good. You were interviewed recently on the podcast. I heard you talk about these three big theological terms, orthodoxy, orthopraxy, and orthopathy. Their big words that simply mean right belief, right action, and right affections, right? Can you share with us how you see these playing into a Christian view of the Enneagram?
0: I hearing words like orthodoxy, like I would hear that term from time to time. Okay, so orthodoxy, right belief. Eventually, I started hearing more about orthopraxy. And orthopraxy, a lot of what's going on in our culture in this moment is really a battle between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Mm. Older generations within Christendom, they tend to say, right belief is what matters, and we need to teach the Bible and teach it faithfully. Younger generations are saying, right living is what matters. So when we see injustice, we need to speak out and we need to do something about it. If you read the scriptures, though, there's not a battle between those two things. Both those things are true. Now, here's the term I never had heard until recently. I kept going, wait, if God wants us to have right belief and if God wants to have right action, what does he want from our emotions? And that's when I discovered this theological term orthopathy. And orthopathy is right affection. So when we come to the Enneagram as Christians and we think about what does it mean to be made into the likeness of Christ over the course of my life and into eternity, it is a pursuit of right affection, right belief, and right action. And by doing those things over time, hopefully more fruit of the Spirit
1: begin to develop in our lives. Do you see that playing into the construct of Enneagram 2 with uh, heart, head, and hand triad?
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so heart triad, you know, those are right affection folks, head triad, that's right belief folks, and gut triad, that's right action folks. And then what I would say from there is that, especially as we sit in it more, what we really see is, well, I'm not all heart, and I'm not all head, and I'm not all gut. And so it's really a journey towards saying, okay, at first, I need to understand my core type. But as time goes on, I need to begin to understand these other aspects of who I am. So what's my relationship to my emotions? That's heart triad stuff. What's my relationship to my thoughts? That's head stuff. And then what's my relationship to my body and my actions? And that's gut stuff.
2: You know, one of the things I have actually worked on in the last couple of years in relation to Enneagram is my action is very low. I'm a lot of heart. I'll get in my head, but I'm unable to move. And I actually have been practicing and exercising the ability to make a decision to move forward. It's not going to be the end of the world. I'm just going to step out. It sets the balance of them all. I, I love that. This is really cool. I'm excited about this part. Can you talk about how you see Jesus empathize with each Enneagram type?
0: I'm with you. This is actually one of the things that I'm excited about too. You know, I'm working on a book right now on the Enneagram and I explore this a little bit in the workbook, but I'm going to explore it a little bit more in depth in the book whenever, one day when it comes out. So Donald Miller says that in the journey of the story that you're living, you need a guide, someone that's guiding you along. And really that guide needs to offer you two things. The first thing they need to offer you is empathy. That is the idea that they understand the hardships you're going through. And the second thing that they need to offer you is authority some evidence of the fact that they are a trustworthy voice and that they really know how to help you in your situation. So in thinking about that, when we come to Jesus, it's very important that we understand that Jesus empathizes with our wounds and our pain. So let's do a little tour around the Enneagram here. We'll start actually with the heart triad. So let's start with type two.
2: My favorite number. Just saying. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
0: So type two, the helper, here's how Jesus empathizes with their wounds. Jesus's needs were ignored by others who always wanted more from him. How does that strike you?
2: So true. Yeah.
0: So Jesus understands that pain and that wound. Type is the achievers. Jesus failed to fulfill the crowd's demands to be a successful leader. So much pressure is put on threes to yeah. always look successful and be successful. And Jesus knows what it is to fail at that. Type four is the originalist. Jesus was rejected by his community and constantly misunderstood. So four is when you're feeling like an outsider, you're feeling like no one gets me and understands me. Jesus says, you can say that to others, but you can't say that to me mm-hmm. because I understand. Okay, heading into the head triad, type five, the wise person. Jesus was engulfed by the needs of the world that wanted everything from him. So fives, when the world's just pushing on you, you need to have all the answers. You need to show up emotionally. You need to give and give and give and give and give. And, give, and you can just feel yourself being depleted. Jesus knows what that feels like. Uh, Type six, the loyalist. Jesus's life from birth to death was marked by danger, threats, and unpredictability. You know, if you think about just his birth, you know, it's estimated that over 200,000 infants were killed, you know, in his birth. And then, of course, his entire life, he's getting threats constantly and then ultimately was killed. So Jesus knows what it is to live in a world that is just full of very real dangers. Type seven, the enthusiast. Jesus lost true paradise and experienced a painful world. So Jesus knows what it is to have felt like life was good. Life was going well. Life was fulfilling. And then suddenly that's gone. And the world is a deeply painful place. Okay. Heading into the gut triad. So type eight and James, that's you, right? That's me. All right. Okay. So the powerful person, Jesus was attacked by powerful people and stripped of his freedom. How's that strike you?
1: Yeah. I mean, autonomy and that freedom piece to me is so important. And so that he empathizes with that is very powerful. I resonate with that a lot.
0: Type nines. So the peacemakers, Jesus
1: was ignored, unheard, and overpowered by the
0: powerful and the passive. So nines, when you feel like you try to influence and it does not change the outcome, when you feel like you spoke up and the louder voice in the room got their way, Jesus knows what it is to be ignored, He knows what it is to have both passive and powerful people disregard him. And then finally, ones, the reformers, Jesus was criticized and the love people gave him was conditional. So Jesus knows what it is to just be under the microscope, to have people constantly say, what you're doing is wrong, what you're doing is wrong. And they love him one minute. And then the moment that he does something they don't like, they turn on him. Jesus empathizes with that pain and that wound.
1: Well, I can't wait for that book to come out.
2: I know it's going to be good. And I love it that as you go through each number, of course, we know someone in our lives that each number represents and what life that's just going to speak over them and breathe life into them as they listen to that. And then they need to get the book to go a deeper dive. That'll be that's great. Right. Okay. This kind of actually sets me up well with a question I'd love to throw your way. I have appreciated your depth of knowledge on Enneagram and it's definitely stretched me and inspired me. I don't know if you've heard the idea that the United States used to be an Enneagram 3 culture and has become more of an Enneagram 6 culture. I wanted to know what you might think about that or could add.
0: Yeah, historically, we as a culture cultivate a lot of threes and eights. I wouldn't even say we cultivate, but we value three and eight energy the most. And what has happened, I think, is with the dawn of social media, which is really a three platform. I mean, it's about storytelling. It's about editing your life for public consumption. How often do we really Really see the truth of someone's life. What we're seeing is we're seeing snapshots, highlights, you know, literally there are filters to change the way you look. So a lot of that non resourceful three energy really gave birth to social media. But then really what's happened, especially, I mean, I think we all feel it in these last five years is that there's been a turn. And I think the turn has been as as people have figured out ways to use social media to disseminate lots of different ideas that they're all saying are true. So we don't know what's true anymore. Is this true? Is this true? Is this information true? We don't know what to trust. And I think that that has really aggravated this sense of the world is an unsafe place. I mean, if you think about the amount of information that we're now trying to consume, it's a god size amount of information. Mm -hmm our brains and our bodies are not designed to know that much. And it's given rise to all kinds of anxiety, you know, anxiety disorders or through the roof. People are literally afraid to socialize because of the levels of insecurity. And so definitely, I think that we project non-resourceful three energy via social media, then none of us feel like we can live up to it. And none of us know what's true or false anymore. And what does that do? Of course, it makes us anxious and it makes us withdraw and it makes us skeptical and it makes us not trust ourselves or other people. And then of course, you know, we're in the middle of political season and politicians have always used those tactics regardless of your party they're always being used but man it is it is definitely for my lifetime it is the most severe usage that i've ever seen i mean
1: it's every place you turn around
2: i don't know how many people i have recently seen who have said i'm just taking a break from social media because it's exhausting to them and it's living in a place of just in your head processing all of that
1: so jesse you host two podcasts can you take a little time and tell us about each of those
0: So I'll tell you about our our Enneagram one first, because we've talked a little Enneagram. I host a, a show called Love That Neighborhood Presents the Enneacast every episode, we teach for about 15 minutes on a different topic. That might be something, you know, we go around the nine types, or maybe we teach on a variety of different topics related to the Enneagram. And then we bring on either an author, an Enneagram coach, a counselor, somebody that is well-versed in the Enneagram. And then we interview them as it relates to their area of specialty or their personality. And then we also do silly stuff. We play games at the end that sort of feel like Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show games. It's just goofing off. And then we also answer listener questions. So, but we try to approach, the whole thing with a very robust gospel focus. So if you're looking for an Enneagram podcast, that's really going to hit the gospel every single episode, we might be your thing. Our other show is called Love Thy Neighborhood. That is our documentary storytelling podcast. So we tell folks like if you baptized NPR, you would get our show. We explore the intersection of social action and Christian community. So we're very interested in what are the biggest issues that are going on in culture and how are Christians responding and what's the gospel's role amidst that. So we cover issues from racial reconciliation to social justice to politics, but we also do things like we just did one this week on dementia. We did one on emerging adulthood. We also have one coming up on gender dysphoria. We have one coming up on law enforcement and ethnicity. So we really try to talk about the issues that all of us talk about in our homes, but so often pulpits do don't feel safe enough for the pastor to address it. So what we want to do is we want to take the topics that we're all talking about and actually talk about those things in a thoughtful way. So yeah, so it's a documentary storytelling
1: program and it's a lot of fun. Awesome. They're both really good. I've listened to both of them and I'm going to put the links to each of those in the show notes so people can go and check those out as well. And you mentioned that you wrap up the any cast with a little game. So I thought we'd wrap up today at the little game if you're cool with that. Yeah, I love it. Okay, so we every once in a while wrap up with a game of would you rather and a little fun trivia to find out a few things that may be odd about yourself. Oh,
0: There, there are plenty of odd things.
1: <laughs> so we'll start serious with me and then Lisa and I can kind of go back and forth. We have five of them here. So the first one is this. Would you rather inspire people or educate people? Mm, inspire, educate. I think that I might rather inspire Okay.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say educate. I just felt it. I was wrong. So
0: yeah. Hold on one second. Are you guys hearing a weird sound? Do you have a cat? I think there is a cat outside of my window that is not even mine.
2: <laughs> I thought I heard a cat. I well, I we heard, heard a
0: cat. Too. Hold on one second. Let me <laughs> literally bang on this window and make it go away. <laughs> <clears throat> it's like, he's that a was cat the person. <laughs> yeah, I did Hopefully, hear- it didn't uh, interrupt things too much. Sorry about that. I have no idea.
2: That might be fun to keep on there. That's hysterical. (laughs) Okay.
0: It might come back. Who knows? Who knows?
2: Okay. So would you rather drive a Ford Mustang or a Chevy Camaro?
0: Mm, Ford Mustang or a Chevy Camaro. So here's the thing. I'm not much of a car guy. I'm going to do the Enneagram 4 thing and choose the thing you didn't give me. I've always wanted an
1: old Ford truck.
0: I was was going to say
1: you might be a truck guy.
0: Yeah, like an old Ford beater. Okay, yeah, we'll I've give you that. I've always one. wanted one.
1: We'll give you a third option there. Okay. Yeah. So, would you rather have Oreos or French fries be calorie free? French fries. Yes. Yeah, my son here. and
0: I, my son and I do a thing called the Burger Tour. Every week we go and try a different burger. Come so on. we've done like twenty-seven different places. So I eat fries all the time, dude. I yeah, love if they French could be calorie fries. free, it would really
1: help my pants. It would. It would.
2: Okay. Would you rather rap on stage with Eminem or Jay Z?
0: Oh Jay Z, yeah. Can you Jay Z swagger, man? Yeah. Can you actually rap though? Oh, I can't. No, man. No, No. my wife. My wife can. If you put on any Salt and Pepper song, she can. She can hold her own. At least the Salt and Pepper. I
2: know. Too. (laughs) Okay, that's great.
1: Here's the last one. This is really serious. Would you rather play a, a card game of poker or go fish, where your life depended on it?
0: Oh, well, if my life, I'm going, go fish. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I would, I would be dead shortly if it was dependent on my (laughs) poker game. It's awesome. So finally, where would you send listeners to find out more about you and love thy neighborhood?
0: Yeah, so a few different things. Number one, head over to our website, lovethyneighborhood.org. You can learn all about not only our podcast but also about our program for young adults. So if there's a, an emerging adult in your life that you think is looking for either a summer or year-long experience, head over there and check that out. You can also find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your preference is. Just look up Love Thy Neighborhood and look up the Cast. And then the last thing would just be, if you want to pick up a copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just head to mappingyourstory.com. So now that I've given you a million instructions, just do all of them. (laughs) I'm
1: going to put all of those in the show notes and I think everybody should go pick up the Mapping Your Enneagram. Jesse, thank you so much for being on the program. We look forward to following your ministry and hope to connect again down the road. We'd love to have you back on again when your book comes out, if not before that. So it's been great connecting with you again. So thanks so much. Yeah, James,
0: Lisa, thank you so much. It's been so fun. Really great to talk with you guys. You guys ask great questions. Looking forward to it. We'll have to do it
1: again.
2: I love that conversation. Well, actually, both conversations we had with Jesse. His insights on Enneagram and the gospel are really profound.
1: Yeah, I agree. Tying the theology of right action, right beliefs, and right affections to the triads is a great connection to help understand how the Enneagram tool, again, it's just a tool, right, can be effective in assisting us in spiritual formation.
2: So we want to give away two copies of Jesse's workbook, Mapping Your Enneagram Story, Here's what we need you to do to enter into the drawing first. Like and share our Instagram post for this episode with the hashtag LiveLeadLast. Second, tag two friends in the comments section of the post. We will announce the winners on our Instagram feed.
1: Yeah, that's going to be so fun. We hope you all participate in that. By the way, the show notes for today's and all episodes are available at LiveLeadLast.com You can find all the links mentioned in the episode and the rules for the drawing. Next week, we have Dr. Jose Rodriguez on the show. He has an amazing story of being a high school dropout but then going back and getting his ged and leveling up his education to earning a phd so we invite you back to join us next week as we wrap up this episode we would love to invite you to subscribe and if you're willing to leave a rating and review on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast it will help us get the word out and help others find the show
2: As always, we want to encourage you to lead your life and leverage your influence today in a way that leaves a legacy you want for tomorrow. Until next week, bye-bye.